Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So good evening and welcome to Charlton Live. This is the Big Match Preview. Hope you guys are well. My name is Louis Mendes and joining me on this week's show as we get ready to gear up for Good Friday's home game uh, with Morecambe at the Valley. First up, Mr. Tom Wallin. How you doing, Tom? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. Happy yeah. Easter to everybody. And to you as well. I, I, I did enjoy the fact you donned your bunny ears for the uh, for the recording. Obviously, it's a podcast. Especially for you. can't see it. Yeah. No, that's fine. Well, actually, I put them on for Nath, but then he didn't turn up, so that's yeah. a shame. No, I just wish you were wearing other stuff as well, but there we go. And also uh, joining us on, on the pod uh, this week is Mr. Mark Newby. How are you doing, Mark? Fully clothed. I'm fully clothed. Excellent. I believe him. I'm fully clothed. Yeah, what, what a lovely change. Uh, so uh, on the, on this week's uh, show, uh, is a day early, of course, because it's the, uh, the the Good Friday game instead of a Saturday. So we brought the pod forward uh, a day. So we're going to preview uh, the game with Morecambe. Relegation threatened uh, Morecambe. We're going to discuss uh, what sort of changes we'd like to see and, and, and a few bits and pieces uh, around the club at the moment. We're also going to hear from Dave Salmon uh, from Shrimps Live. He's going to tell us all about uh, Derek Adams' side. Um, he's going to give us a lowdown and I, I put him on the spot and ask him if they're going to stay up as well so we're going to hear that from uh, Dave uh, and then after the break we've got a bit of a special interview today um, you may have seen uh, recently uh, that the club has signed up uh, to be part of the Her Game 2 uh, campaign Natasha Everett uh, is the Charlton ambassador for that campaign so we speak to Natasha and also to Emma Harknett uh, who's uh, part of the uh, the campaign from the Charlton point of view as well uh, find out a little bit about what, it, what it's all about and, uh, and why uh, also ask Emma about her day up at Rotherham on Saturday because uh, we, we both enjoyed that performance so we'll, we'll speak to those uh, two uh, later on in the show as well but um, yeah, no, no Jacko Presser yet because uh, he, he's sticking to Thursday but we're a day early Tom so uh, game with Morecambe we're down to the final four now ticking them off one by one getting closer to the end um, but it is important to, to end strongly and particularly at home and, and against a side like Morecambe uh, who will be fighting for their lives. So it'd be a really interesting one to see how, how we can stand up. So the last couple of games, you know, for, for all the disappointment of the performance at Wimbledon, it's not like we, we rolled over when, when we went down to 10 men and, and obviously we then went up to into a, to a good Rotherham side who are, who are struggling a little bit now, but we still put in a, a really good away performance and one up there. So we'll be hoping for more of the same, I guess, in terms of, uh, in terms of the, the effort that they put in on, 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 on Good Friday. Hundred percent, yeah, and and like you say, I don't think we've necessarily been brilliant in our performances uh, over recent games, but we have got results. Um, and I think I mentioned it. I think the last show I was on was a was a Thursday preview as well, and I said that if nothing else, we need to perform for the integrity of the league because some of the teams we're playing are teams that have something to play for. Uh, and here's a prime example of that. You know, Morecambe fighting for their lives. I think then only above on goal difference at the moment, above the drop. So. Yeah, for them, this is a massive game, as you as you said earlier, and you know we're going to play a part in that. So there is a there is still a lot at stake. You know, there's there's personal pride first of all, 
there is the the stuff that we've spoken about over recent weeks, which is people playing for contracts. Um, and ultimately, as I say, there are the teams that we're playing, uh, maybe not so much Cambridge, that'll be very much the, the on-the-beach derby, but certainly the, the game at the weekend is one that matters to Morecambe. And, and as you say, they're going to come here fighting for their lives. So, yeah, it is going to be interesting uh, and how we how we play, because yes, they're down there for a reason, but at the same time, they're, uh, they're going to be a, a, a tough test. And, and obviously up front, they have huge firepower uh, with one player in particular and, and we're going to have to combat that. So, yeah, a good test of our defence, I think, but also an opportunity there to get a win and, and, as you say, end the season relatively strongly. Yeah, we can hear Dave Perrin about Cole Stockton later on in the show because he has, has a, an absolutely remarkable season uh, for Morecambe down there. It is an important game for them. The, the importance of the game for us in terms of where we're going to finish in the league is, you know, it doesn't matter as such, Mark, and that has been the case for a little while now. But, you know, we lost last time out at home, but generally overall our home record under Johnny Jackson has been pretty good. Um, and, and that is something he'll want to continue until the end of the season. And to start to try and make the ground a fortress or something because if we are to be the sort of team we want to be next season one that is challenging at the right end of the table um then 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 we will need to build upon a a decent home base and you know I, i spoke about on sunday the template of a performance away from home away at a, you know particularly a, a good team like rotherham where we go and, and we we defend our area and we become hard to break and try and play on the counter-attack. But th- there has been games at home this season in terms of breaking down teams, probably more so in the first part of the season under Nigel, you know, thinking of like the Cheltenham game perhaps, that rather than the, the second half, where as I said under Jacko, the home form has tended to be okay. But when, when a team comes and, and you imagine will make it very difficult for us, and again, this is a Derek Adams side, and, and Dave gives us very much the lowdown on how a Derek Adams side does play, away from home I mean this is a team that's going to want to frustrate us and we need to become good enough to break down teams like that and that's something that will hopefully be a big part of next season is that teams will want to come and make it difficult for us because we're a better side Um, so it's important that we you know we've perfected that template last on last Saturday away from home we need to get the template right for the home games as well I agree I mean I'd say next season starts now he's got to be looking players who he knows in mind he wants to keep and he wants to build up and get in maybe you know maybe one or two of the lone players Elliot Lee for example he might be thinking right I don't want to offer him a proper contract for next season let's put him in the last couple of games and let him show his worth and get into his head that way or he's going to be saying you know what Albie came in the other day did really well you know lovely pass for Dobbo and you know, say to him right you know next season is, is going to be your season so you've got to you know take the ball by the horns as it were and show me you got you're going to be wanting that shirt it's difficult to say you know when you know teams are they always say you know, on the beach and nothing to play for but there's i think there's always something to play for in a game of football whether you've been down in a park kicking around with your mates you want to be on a team which wins it's that kind of thing because you know you're going to get stick for it and again for integrity like Tom said you don't want to be just rolling over and just going through the motions because otherwise you might as well put out you know all the kids but then again it also gives Jacko a chance maybe to put one or two on a bench he doesn't have to use them he just has to give them that experience of warming up with the first team being on the bench and being there maybe getting five minutes of the end so say we're coasting 3-0 up 
and he's put uh, Miles Lieburn on the bench, and he might be thinking, you know, 3-0 up, five minutes to go, stick him on, let him run around for a bit, let him sample a valley crowd and some valley noise, and uh, try, you know, try and emulate his dad. So they're, they're always fairly interesting with little bits and bobs you can gather from a game. I mean, someone said the other day that Adam Matthews is starting to turn up, of course, because it's the end of the season, contracts are coming. And it's a bit of a strange one with that, because you think his, his performances have been not good at the start of the season, but have been so much way better. You know, if you ask somebody now, would you give Matthews a contract for next season? Um, on his last six games? Yeah, you would. On his first six games? Probably not. So it's difficult for us as fans to say, you know, I'd give him a contract or I'd give him an extension or whatever. You know, it must be even harder for the management team to sit there and... Because they're going to have people in their mind who they can bring in, people they know are going to be out of contract at other clubs, and people they're going to say, right, is this player going to be the player which takes us on that next 10 15%, moves us up the league enough, and makes us look solid at the back? You know, are, are we going to get that with the players we've got? Can we get that out of them? Can we improve them 10 15% for next season? Or do we have to look and say, right, no, you know, who can we pick up? Who's, who has got that? I mean, we thought we'd had it. I mean, it might upset Tom a bit, but, you know, when Gunter came in, he was a very experienced international player, you know, many years playing. I thought, you know what, that's what we need, that kind of, you know, fallback. But it seems like he'd come here to retire a bit. And that's the thing, you know, it's, it's, it's separating the people you're thinking, oh, are they just using it for one season of an extra last season as a payday? Or are they, do they actually have something to prove? And I'd say I'd rather bring in some 23-year-old or 24-year-old from who's been released from another team who might have something to prove. I mean, look at Sean mm. Clare. I mean, Sean Clare, when we picked him up from Oxford, he, he was hating it there. But he, he sort of like, he's come, he's got something to prove. And he's been, I, I'd say, one of the three best players for us this season. And I think that's the kind of player you want to be looking for in whatever position on the pitch you need to fill. Hmm. It's interesting you mentioned, of course, there, Mark, about the the younger players coming in. Now, um, I mean, Paul, I, I, I tweeted out earlier, who, what, what changes would you like to see for the side? Paul Davenport said he'd love to see Canu, uh, Dan, Daniel Canu get a game, Canu, um, and, and Southern Comfort in, in response to what Terry was saying on Sunday show um, about how it can be hard to blood kids. And I understand what Terry means, but um, Southern Comfort says, I don't get that. Uh, the amount of times we played 17, 18-year-olds in the Premier Championship, uh, I could name a plethora of players. There's no harm in giving the likes of Canu, Canu uh, Henry, uh, Lieburn and others half an hour uh, here and there. I mean, we're in that stage of the season now where it is different. I mean, Terry's right in such as, you know, we, we have tried to blood Mason Burstow this season and with all due respect to Mason, you know, he scored a few goals. I'd say he'd done better than someone like Carlin did at his age, but it's still very difficult for a prolonged spell in a game or of games to to do that. But I guess now, Tom, we are in that business end of the season where you know we're officially safe from relegation on uh, uh, on Saturday. It was so uh, inevitable that I actually forgot until about an hour after full time when when I tweeted about it. But we're in that position now. We don't really care what's going to happen. You might as there there is more scope now to give them minutes here and there. I mean. Daniel Canu did have that, was it 10 minutes up at Wigan, where he, he did look like he was struggling a bit because it was only 10 minutes and it's not really an amount of time you can really make a name for yourself. But if he can get two or three 10 minutes between now and the end of the season, like, I guess that could only really bode well for him now. I completely agree. Yeah, and I think 
you're right. I, I wasn't at the game, um, but w- was listening to it, the one at Wigan, and uh, yeah, appreciate that he did struggle. But that was his, uh, as far as I'm aware, his first ten minutes of of league football at that level. So, uh, you know, it's not, uh, and I don't think Mark or, or anybody is suggesting that we suddenly start on on Friday with uh, with all, uh, you know a squad full of youngsters playing from first minute through to ninety, but. I think what you've just said there is right. Can we just chuck a few of them on for 10, 15 minutes at the end? Because if you do that for two, three, four games, then you start to just gradually give them that. And, you know, if Jacko's there on the sideline as they're sort of getting ready to come on, he can literally just say, look, go go and have some fun. Because that is the advantage of being where we are. We're, we're not hunting down the top six, which obviously we're disappointed about. And we're not going down, which obviously we're very relieved about. So... There is an opportunity there in a very sort of safe environment to just give him a go and see what happens. And look, if we take Kano as an example, we've seen what he's capable of at youth level. Um, and I think that opportunity should be given to them. We've seen it happen before. I can think back to, to coming down to the Valley as a kid, possibly even in the Premier League days where, you know, last couple of games of the season where ultimately we were always in this position, weren't we? Because we'd had the classic curb sort of slide towards the end of the season. There were players, you know, people off the top of my head, people like Lloyd Sam or players like that. Maybe even John Joe got a run out towards the end of a season where that is the opportunity to first prove yourself. And, you know, if Carnu did put in a, a few 10-minute performances over the next three or four games and look a little bit sharp, maybe that means Jacko takes him on pre-season. Maybe he gets a few run outs there as well. And you never know because ultimately he is somebody that if he continues to progress the way he is, we want him in our starting 11 at some point. I appreciate not now, but, you know, we need to give him that that taste of football and, and see what he's capable of. So, yeah, I'm not for wholesale changes. And as I say, the integrity of the league is to be considered. But I think this is as good an opportunity to blood those youngsters as any. So, uh, yeah, I'd like to see some sort of cameo appearances from them. Yeah, it's a real shame that there is such a thing as integrity of the league because now we are safe and can't go up. I, I, I could get a game, I reckon. Don't you think, Mark? Like, just chuck me in. I'm 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 sorry. Yeah, yeah, of course. Why not? Where would you like to play? Yeah, well, anywhere, anywhere. In, 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 in goal, centre half. Any, anywhere, really. You know. but jokes aside, I mean, there is actually one player that I think does need to make a bit of an impact between now and the end of the season, and, and I hope we'll be given a chance again. Is Albie? Now he played up at Rotherham on Saturday, and Jacko said he was pleased with him. I, I said overall he did okay, Mark, but he did give the ball away a few times. Um, but there were good good parts of it. He, he laid off the assist for for Dobbo's goal, and and he was, you know, he, he did. Um, make make some challenges that sort of stuff um, I mean it, it could, this end of the season we've spoken about all the players that need to prove themselves and he's one that probably had gone under the radar a little bit because I don't think he'd played since Sheffield Wednesday away but maybe this could be his chance as well start, yeah. start in Friday or continue in Friday after after last Saturday yes it's you know it's a difficult one with Albie Morgan because I like him I, I like sort of like ball players like that but I, ju- I just don't know if he knows his best position on a football pitch does he want to be in that sort of like centre circle, you know, spraying the balls around? He's not really the defensive mid that Dobbo is. He's not really the attacking mid that Gilby is. Um, you know, and he's it's, it's a hard one to say. He's he's not got the pace really for a winger. He can cross the ball. He's got you know good feet. So it's hard to know. I mean, I, know, I think if our esteemed colleague Nathan was here, he'd probably know the technical terms for his position. But you know, I've always called it the fake ten and stuff like that, or false nine, or you know, a, a loopy twenty-seven. I I don't know, and I think it's harder sometimes. You know, when when you're a player, 
I'd have thought if you're being coached, if you're a left back, you know what your job is. If you're a centre half, you know what your job is. Right back, you know you generally your wingers. Where would you where would you put him? Where would you tell him? Right, this is my job to do this. It's he's not getting into. He's not a box to box midfielder like Cullen or Gallagher. He's not flying around. You know, chopping people in half like Prattley or Clare when they're playing midfield. Um, so I, I don't know, Zivol, I like him, I just don't know the best place for him. And it, it's, it's strange, because normally sort of like when you see the youngsters coming through, they pretty much know. You know, Occasionally you get full-backs who have been transformed into wingers, and you know some striker who said, oh, I started off as a centre-half. I think Stockley did start off as a centre-half before he realised he was actually better up front. Um, and you hear that with players who go, you know what, you know, it took someone to say, no, you go and play there. I mean, we did it with Martson. You know, we had him on loan, playing as left back, and he was okay, nothing special. And suddenly he turned up on the right wing, and it looked like that was just the ideal position. And with Albie Morgan, I, I just don't know where whether he's better in a in a four four two. So not in our setup, as it were, where we're playing sort of like a three five two or five three two that kind of thing, where he can play alongside a, a midfielder who will do that sort of like dirty stuff, which gives him time. But I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard. I, I'd I'd like to know what position they were sort of coaching him to sort of like what role they're taking him on because we've got an abundance in some in some positions and then we've got we've just brought Fraser in really to challenge Gilby and you've got Elliot Lee there. So is he going to be challenging in that kind of position? Possibly not as forward. I mean, all I can think of is is, is you know he hasn't got the skill of a Klaus Jensen. But he, he looks like he wants to pick a pass, but he needs to have that find he that space on a pitch to get the ball to give him that luxury to go. You know, here with Klaus Jensen used to do, he used to ghost into space, receive a ball, you know, wave a wand, and there it would be on someone else's you know head or foot or the goal. And I think you know if Albie was to sort of like go back and look at games and say like look at his movement, that's the kind of sort of like midfielder I, I can be. But I, I don't know. I I would have trouble saying where where do you put him in the team. Hmm, interesting stuff, right? Um, in in terms of the team, uh, for Friday, I guess again, is there many decisions to be made? Uh, I I enjoyed Piercy's performance on Saturday. I certainly wouldn't be wanting to drop him. Is there is there any changes you're desperate to see made, Tom? Uh, not particularly. I don't think from the starting eleven. Um, I can't remember if Albie played Saturday or not. Uh, yeah, I think, started, think yeah. he did, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. So obviously, with the midfield with uh, midfielder out and stuff, I don't know whether whether there'll be another chance to rotate in there or not. Um, uh, top two sort of picks itself, unless they're unfit at the moment. Uh, and the only other question I think would usually be out wide, wouldn't it? But yeah, I, personally, I don't think so. I think it's a case of of starting the same, as I say, for the the thing I've mentioned about eight times already about that integrity and and about you know keeping up momentum. You know, we've just gone and beaten the team that are third in the league, albeit they're on obviously on a bad run of form and got tonked the other night. But um, I, I feel like you know that's probably how we will set out. You know, and uh, and then maybe it's a case of putting more more youngsters on the bench than we'd expect. You know. With the greatest of respect to someone like Mason Burstow, he's not going to be here next year. Um, Niall John isn't going to be here next year. So why put them on the bench when you could put someone like like Akanu on there and give someone like that a, 
a game because ultimately if we are 1-0 down with 10 minutes to play, it doesn't really matter. So that would be my thinking. I think largely you, you stick the same 11 out there, provided injuries and, and everything's fine. But then you look at youngsters off the bench to to just give them a bit of a bit of a chance later on, really. Mm, yeah, it's interesting you mentioned next year, actually. I, I, was, I was thinking it's worth having a look at how the league is shaping up uh, for next year. Now that we are confirmed that we're going to be uh, in League One, it's uh, there's only four teams that are currently definitely going to be uh, in League One as it stands. Though obviously these, uh, these things will, will change uh, quite quickly, I imagine, after especially after the Easter games. But it's, uh, So it's us, uh, Accrington Stanley, Cambridge and Cheltenham Town are the four teams who are definitely going to be uh, in League One uh, next season. Now we're looking at the uh, league below League Two. Uh, Forest Green Rovers have got a 10-point um they're sitting top they've got a 10 point gap down to fourth place Mansfield uh, so you have to say you fancy them to come up Exeter on 74 so five points ahead of Mansfield they've got a, a very good chance of coming up as well then it's so Port Vera on 72 they're in the third automatic place uh, then you've got Mansfield uh, on 69 Northampton and uh, Bristol Rovers on 67 Newport on 66 Salford uh, Tranmere, Sutton just outside of the playoffs and then when you go down as far as Swindon in 11th you've probably still got a chance of getting into the playoffs so um, no massive clubs coming up Mark you'd say coming up uh, from uh, League 2 uh, looking at the championship you know Peterborough are down there uh, you'd have to say the bottom three in the championship currently look like they're doomed um, uh, there's eight, an 8 point gap from Barnsley to Reading so uh, there's also Derby and Posh down there so Derby, obviously quite a big club, but in, in financial <coughs> trouble. Barnsley often do very well in this division. Peterborough tend to do quite well in League One as well, but can be a bit of a yo-yo club. So other than the sides that are still going to be here from this season, so if you're thinking about it, Wigan and Milton Keynes and Rotherham, two out of those three will probably go up autos. Um, and then it'll be one from the likes of Rotherham, Milton Keynes, Plymouth, Sheffield Wednesday, Sunderland, Wickham, and then, yeah, I don't think you could go down as far as Ipswich, really. So, Oxford. So, th- th- there will still be the likes of Ipswich, Portsmouth, Bolton, uh, ourselves in this league next year. Sunderland or Sheffield Wednesday, at least one of those two. Rotherham, who always do well at Wickham, who have done quite well in this division in the last couple of years. There's going to be some big clubs in this division who have remained from this year. Not so many bigger ones coming into the league other than, as I said, Derby, but... It's still going to be a very tough division next year, and it's shaping up already to, to make it look like we are going to have to have this summer that we've talked we, we've talked about. It's going to have to be a very good one because there's some there's some big hitters in this division still next season. Oh, there are, and you know, Derby coming down is just oh, oh chef's kiss. What can I say? I just love it. I can't. You know, on my list of clubs, I can't stand Derby right and smack bang in the middle. Um, it's it's a strange thing though because what you're going to find is a team like Chef for Wednesday thought they were going to go straight back up. So how many of their players who probably said, like, stay a season, let's go back up, you know, we're going to romp this league, and they haven't, are they going to end up, well, we, we can't afford to keep you for another season in League One. And it's, what you're going to find is that some of these bigger teams are, are going to be, you know, on a, on a more equal footing because they're not going to have all the players they've had this season. So... Teams like, say, Sunderland as well. You know, Sunderland, I think of those six you mentioned going up, I think the team with momentum is Milton Keynes, but I I wouldn't discount Wickham sneaking in at the end. Um, Good manager, clever manager, and I think he could get the best out of them if they got into a playoff. 
So with Sunderland staying down, Ipswich, Sheffield Wednesday, Derby, ourselves, as you say, Portsmouth, Bolton, it is a big list of teams who have been in the Premiership. And uh, one, it has always been a warning to teams who get there, you know, don't take anything for granted. But there are teams where you think, people are going to be out of contract, you know, of a certain age. And I think a lot of teams probably did put all their eggs in one basket for this season, thinking, right, this is what we're going to do and get out of it. And I don't think, I mean, I know after Derby's financial um, problems, but I don't think they're going to be the only ones. I think there's going to be one or two teams it's going to come out that they've sort of like they've stretched themselves a little too far and they're going to fall foul of the um, laws which are there to stop them doing that and the teams which sort of like run themselves to a budget I think is going to benefit them and uh, so for next season it's funny because teams who are coming up Forest Green Rovers don't you know I've seen them a couple of times don't really know much of them Exeter you know what a lovely day out that is, because nothing nothing screams football like getting up at four o'clock in the morning to drive to Exeter. Um, so, you know, it's, it's good to see teams like that. I'm not so sure about some of the um, Tranmere's coming back, but Peterborough, again, I think they're going to be one of those teams who come down and they're going to lose one or two of their better players because they're going to say, well, we want to play in the Championship, so they're going to lose that striker they've got um, who's always banging in the goals for them. So, you know, it's going to be a bit of a leveller. And so I think we, we need to start off on a front foot. We've got to get some recruitment in early because I think it's, again, it's a momentum thing. If he can bring in three players, literally almost straight away, it lets the, lets the fans know we're going to be serious. Because there's nothing worse than, oh, you know, something gets dribbled out. Oh, they're looking at this player, that player. Oh, he's gone here, he's gone there. And before you know it, it's going to get to sort of like pre-season we're going to go somewhere and it's going to be all the sort of like the kids and a few pros and oh yeah someone's talking to someone soon because they're hedging their bets and we're going to be the same as we were last season we're going to be mm. behind so you know the sooner things happen even if he, even if it's just two players if he announces a permanent loan sign in Steins or and one more player comes in that I think would keep the fans not ecstatic but, you know, at least go, OK, things are moving better than they were last year, where it was sort of like the end of August, and we're still going, well, pff, who knows who's coming. Mm. Right. Uh, well, we were talking about next season. One side that do want to be part uh, of League One and next season is, of course, uh, more Kamar uh, opponents on a good Friday. The Shrimps sit just outside the relegation zone uh, by virtue of goal difference. Their goal difference is one better than uh, Gillingham, uh, who are inside uh, the relegation zone. Now, I wanted to find out a bit more uh, about the Shrimps, so I spoke to Dave Salmon uh, from Shrimps Live, and I put him on the spot and asked him if Morecambe uh, will be staying up. If you'd have asked me that, Louis, two or three weeks ago, I would have said not a chance. We wouldn't even be picking up another point from where we were. It all goes back to the Bolton game. We played Bolton about five weeks ago. And similar to our home game, we scored and then we were holding on for 1-0 at the end and they equalised in the 94th minute. And it really, really knocked stuffing out of us. And it took us a really long time to recover. And then we endured three horrendous defeats. Uh, Cheltenham, we then went to Shrewsbury away and lost 5-0. Worst performance I've seen for years by any team. We then got hammered away at Wigan. And it was the knock-on effects of the Bolton game. So the international break came at the right time for us. We're back after that, completely rejuvenated. Two wins in a week. Quite unlucky not to get a result against Cambridge on Saturday. So I'm, I'm more optimistic than what I was two weeks ago. 
it's going to be close. I think it will go down to the last game of the season. I mean, in, in terms of a running, uh, it's, it's not the easiest end of season that, that Morecambe have got now. When you look at the fact you've got to play us, which which could go either way, I guess. But you've got the, the likes of Portsmouth and, and Milton Keynes and Sunderland, who on their day are all good teams in this division. Obviously, we know they don't always have that day, but they're, they're teams that are, that are up there. So uh, I don't envy your running, I guess, when, when, when perhaps do you, when you look at other teams, do you think that they've maybe got a slightly more straightforward one? There's no doubt that all the other teams around us, Louis, have got, on paper, easier runnings. That, that's for sure. I think for us, it doesn't really matter. I think if we turn up on, on any given day, we can give anybody a game, as we've proven beating Wickham when they were top of the table, beating Sheffield Wednesday, great draws against other teams in and around the playoffs, Plymouth and, and Ipswich and, and other clubs. So we can do it on our day against anybody in the division. It, it's just a case of, when the pressure is really on and the game starts to run out, whether or not we can actually stand up to that. I think the fact we've got two games against, well, let's call them dead rubbers, for want of a better word, against yourselves and Portsmouth, that's probably where we've got to get the job done because then it's MK Dons and Sunderland on the last day of the season, which not really relishing either of those. So I think it makes our clash on Good Friday really, really significant, really significant indeed. I mean, we, we've seen you coming out of the back of this run, you know, as, as mentioned, now, and, and you've had those two wins, which, I mean, I've been saying on the pod, with, with all due respect, when, when we were still looking like we were part of the relegation conversation, I said, the, the thing that will save us before we turned our form around was the fact that Wimbledon and Morecambe can't win a game, but, you know, to save their lives. Now, Wimbledon still haven't, and we've seen that, you know, late equaliser again for Milton Keynes during the week, but you guys did find those two wins, obviously unlucky perhaps at Cambridge, but you, you did find a way to win games. So does that give you the edge on Wimbledon that they are still in this lump and you, you've got a couple of, of recent results that, that, that could make it, you know, that, that could be so important for you? I think there's two things there, Louis. The, the first one, as well we know, and as Wimbledon know, and as Fleet would know as well, once you're in the habit of not winning, the longer that goes on, the harder it is to break that cycle. And I think a lot of clubs in League One this season have gone on runs of eight, nine, 10, 12 games without winning. They probably have deserved to win a couple of those games, but you're just getting the getting the non-winning habit, don't you? And I think that's the problem that, that both Wimbledon and certainly Fleetwood, I think they're on just one winning 15 for Fleetwood, but obviously no winning 23, half a season for Wimbledon. That, that is a real, real problem for them, regardless of the quality of their side. The other element to us is the Derek Adams effect. Since he's come in, it, it's taken time, obviously, to put his stamp on it. Very, very different style of play to Stephen Robinson. He's changed the personnel in the team as well. But the one thing that Derek has tried to do is, is make us harder to score against. Mixed success about that, of course, but certainly harder to break down, but create those chances, those quality chances that are going to score us enough goals to, to get enough results to now in the end of the season. And I think that might just give us the edge over other sides in and around the uh, the, the bottom six. But it's certainly very close. Um, it, it adds significant extra pressure on Good Friday. There's no doubt about that. It's uh, I, I'm not sure if I'm relishing the prospects of coming to the Valley or not from, uh, I think I've had a bit of a mixed bag of, of, of some people have said, Oh, nothing to play for. You, you, you've got a chance. And, but then I look about how else we've turned up when we've gone to big away clubs, Sheffield Wednesday, Sunderland, and we've just frozen on the day. So hopefully that's not going to happen again this Friday. Obviously one um, massive advantage that Morecambe have in this running is they have the, 
not so secret weapon of Cole, of uh, Cole Stockton, who can score from, it would appear, I was going to say anywhere within the opposition half, but he can also do it from his own half as well, as we saw uh, away at Fleetwood, wasn't it? So, um, I mean, he, he is having a remarkable season. 25 goals in all competitions, 22 in League One. He's the, he's the joint top scorer in the running for the Golden Boot. He's actually top of the charts at the moment because if, if players are level on goals, it goes on assists. I suppose it's like the, the Golden Boots version of goal difference, isn't it, if you like? So he's one assist ahead of the chasing pack. Uh, it'd be great for him to get the Golden Boot. If he got the Golden Boot and Morgan got relegated, it would be an absolute travesty, wouldn't it? But I think, as, as we've said for a while, Louis, if you've got a goal scorer in your team, you've always got a chance of getting a result in any game that you play. He's having a season of his life. There's no two ways about that. As you saw on Saturday against Cambridge, it was an absolute, another another wonder strike. And that's seven, eight goals, maybe, of his 22 in the league that have been absolutely out of this world, once in a career goals. And he's, he's, he's seemingly scoring them for fun at the moment. So definitely want to watch out for you. Yeah. And if we take Cole Stockton out of the equation, who, who are the other men that Charlton should be should be wary of? You know, we'll, we'll remember that game up at, up at the, the Globe Arena earlier on in the season where Charlton were 2 0 up. But, but I've, I felt like Charlton struggled to deal with the physicality of the team overall. There were some, there were some defenders, like I think, conceded from a corner as well, didn't we? So who, who are like the men that, that Charlton, Charlton will be wary of? Well, it's a different, uh, significantly different team in terms of the starting eleven that from when we played earlier in the season, Louis. Uh, you need to be watching out. Going forward, obviously, Cole, we've got a, a very fast wide man called Dylan Connolly signing in from Northampton in the transfer window. You won't see many faster players than Dylan um, in League One, perhaps in any division in DFL, actually. He's an absolute whip it up and down the line, so... If you've got somebody slow at fullback, he will absolutely bomb past them. There's no doubt about that. Um, we seem a lot stronger in the middle now. We've got the the old, but they've got the old band back together of Aaron Wildig and Adam Phillips in the middle of the park. They were instrumental in getting us promoted last season. Um, and, and we're starting to get tune out of those guys now as well. We've got a much better goalkeeper, Trevor Carson, on loan from Dundee United, probably one of the best in, in League One, Northern Ireland International. He's made us a lot solid. Jacob Badeau at the back, another centre-half. We've signed on loan from Burnley in the window. So we're more solid at the back. And we've got different attacking threats going forward. We've got that pace, perhaps not quite as physical as when we played you last time around, but certainly different threats. And, and again, as I say, it'll be all, all about whether we turn up or not on the day. If we turn up, we'll definitely give you a game. But the one stat that I'm always conscious of in the back of my mind is we've only won twice away from home all season. One of those was Crew, who are rock bottom and relegated. And the other one was Fleetwood, the Cole Stockton chip from the halfway line in the 95th minute. So with that stat in mind and playing at the Valley against a, a, a partisan large crowd, hopefully that won't get the better of us. But um, it's certainly a result. We need to get a result on Friday. I would certainly take a draw. Um, we probably need three or four more points to stay up and hopefully we can add to our tally on Friday. But I'm really looking forward to the trip down to the Valley. There we go. Thanks to, to Dave and... Uh, you know, his- yeah. Club, club. I don't like Derek Adams. I will put that out there. But clubs like Morecambe, you know, you, you you wish the best for them. You know, they're punching above their weight. They're very friendly when we went up there. Um, but but um, you know, if, if we are going to be uh, hacking away at the carcass, if they do go down, uh, or even if they don't, Tom, sh- should we try and sign that Cole Stockton? I think we should do everything we can to. Yeah, I know there was uh, there was a lot of people talking about him in in January 
could we get him in? And I think ultimately that was ambitious at best because we were still within a shout of going down at that point as well. Um, and I can't imagine we're going to be the only club going for him. Um, so it might be quite a hard sell. I think, look, we're, we are still a big club at this level, but we've spoken about the what the league is, is shaping up to look like next year. And as it has been for a few years now, there's going to be a lot of big clubs down here and I'm sure a lot of them fighting for that signing. Um, Thomas has obviously spoken about his desire to be eventually, you know, uh, a sort of sustainable model for the club as well. And does that mean that maybe we can't perhaps spend as much as we like to? We'll have to see. Um, but he's a, a striker, certainly, that I've been very, very impressed with. Um, and the fact that he's scored that many goals for a team that are, are where they are is uh, is highly impressive and kind of shows how how poor the rest of the team have performed, really, because he's there knocking in that many goals. So, yeah, I've been very impressed with him. I wasn't at the Morecambe away game, so I'm looking forward to seeing him play in the flesh. Obviously, hope he doesn't have a good game on uh, on Friday. But, uh, yeah, it would be one of those that I'm sure would be top of top of our list, but probably top of quite a few clubs' list, I'd imagine, going into uh, next season. Yeah, it's always, I mean, there's always a danger, of course, with, with a player like him that, you know, he might be a bit of a a one season wonder or whatever you want to call it. But um, yeah, 28 years old, he's, he's having a superb season, joint top scorer uh, in League One, but he's never scored more than like a handful of goals elsewhere. You know, Tranmere, uh, sort of early part of his career, he got 34 goals, uh, sorry, 14 goals, but that was over a number of seasons, 34 appearances. So um, yeah, 40 goals in 101 starts for Morecambe in the league. Uh, since joining the Shrimps and uh, yeah, doing a very good job, and he will be a real handful as he was in the uh, in the away game. Um, it, it is a really tight little run in down there. I think Fleetwood will be very interesting. Their next two games away at Gillingham and then at home to AFC Wimbledon, Mark. So I mean, they, obviously those, those two games will make it very very uh, clear which way Fleetwood are going to go. I imagine. Uh, in terms of Morecambe, they've got a more difficult run in. As I was speaking with Dave, they've still got Portsmouth, Milton Keynes and Sunderland to play. So, I mean, they will see every, every game almost as a must-win because you can't rely on the next one as being one where you pick up points. So they will be absolutely bang up for it uh, on Saturday, when they, on uh, Friday when they come to the Valley. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you learn over the years, you don't rely on anybody else to do you any kind of favour whatsoever because it's not going to happen. So you can only affect what you do yourself. Um it's kind of thing. I'd I'd probably like prefer Wimbledon to stay up only for simple fact he's another London derby. It's close to get to, and uh, they've been sort of like fairly decent games against them. Um, I've gotten to obviously no love for Gillingham, but again it's a nice close one and there's normally a good atmosphere. Uh, it's 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 a strange one. It's Morecambe. It's it's they're going to say the fates in their hands and playing the bigger teams, the Milton Keynes, the Sunderlands, whatever. It's it's they're still got to go out and like do the business. And as Rotherham have found now, you know, three weeks ago Rotherham were flying. Everyone's going wow, they're they're, they're a nail on. And now they've had a few losses. They're not looking good, and that could happen to any of those top six teams. And if it suddenly bites you where you've had three games to go. You're thinking, okay, it's a nil-nil, and then the last minute, someone gets a lucky deflected goal, and then, you know, it's it's for momentum, it's suddenly going against you. So, again, they can only control, you know, the games they play in. For us playing them, it's a case of, we know they, they need to come at us. So, you know, we've said a few times this season, patience is the key. You know, absorb some 
you know, pressure in the first 10, 15 minutes, try and take the sting out of them, try and push them back, turn them around. Even if you're just putting it back over the heads and turning them around again, again it's that's fine. Don't try and be too clever with it. If a, if a ball's there, put it in rows there. Don't try and, try and knock it back. So if we could sort of like first 15, 10, 15 minutes, take the stuffing out of them, then our gameplay can come in and we can get our ball players on, we can start moving, and there will be spaces. Because if they're going to be attacking, if we've got CBT flying down the wing, or DJ or whoever, we, we're looking dangerous. And if Washington and you know, Stockley, it's funny because I know Washington's out of contract, and talking about Stockton, I'm thinking if, if Washington signs another contract, him and Stockley are our one too. So... I don't see where this Stockton would actually fit in because obviously we're hoping Chucks will be back fit and then you know is Stockton going to come to us and be in theory fourth choice striker not likely and mm. there's going to be one or two teams as we've aforementioned who will be losing players mm. like the Sheffield Wednesdays who might who would throw an extra five grand a week at him and it, it wouldn't bother them but obviously he's going to go okay then I'll go Sheffield Wednesday I can earn five grand more and be you know and go and be be on join a massive club, so it's it's a fu- it's a funny one with that. I think if if I err on caution, then it's patience, and then take them to pieces. Mm, I mean, I think if we right, say, if we sc- score just before half time, then that's it. It's going to be all over for them because they're going to go in that dressing room and cry. <laughs> well, well, hopefully, right. Let's uh, have a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to hear all about the her game two campaign. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. To his left is Gunter. Gunter with the cross. It's a search across. Chiasini! That's a lovely header for Talan Chiasini. The searching cross from Chris Gunter. Chiasini beats McFadden to the ball against Chalmerlead. Yeah, and we talk about this week in, week out, about players anticipating coming in from the far side, getting inside the fullback, spotting that cross early, making the run, anticipate, get across your man and meet it well. I mean, it's a very brave header from Giacini. Charlton Live. Right, welcome back to Charlton Live. This is the big match preview. We've been looking ahead to uh, Good Friday's home game uh, with uh, Morecambe at the Valley. Just to let you know as well, I've had a message from Aki, uh, who uh, covers Charlton for London Football Scene. He says uh, that the... uh, 
London football scene uh, will be doing a, a bucket collection outside the ground on Friday for to help uh, raise money for people in Ukraine. So if you uh, want to get involved with that, keep an eye out for Aki and for his colleagues uh, around the ground. Make sure you chuck in a, a couple of quid spare change. Now, during the week, uh, I spoke uh, to Natasha Everett and to Emma Harkner um, uh, about uh, the Her Game 2 campaign. Uh, you may have seen it's been around for a little while now, but the addicts have finally signed up. Natasha uh, is the addicts ambassador uh, for the campaign. Emma uh, is an advocate as well. Um, so I spoke to both of them during the week. I asked Tash how the uh, campaign came about. The Her Game 2 campaign started back, it's just shy of a year now that it's been going. Um, it started back on the FA Cup final day last May and... It was co-founded by two Bristol Rovers fans, uh, Kaz and Lucy. And Kaz had been on the receiving end of some um, pretty nasty sexist abuse um, on Twitter um, for her opinion, um, just a footballing opinion, you know. And in the kind of replies, the people obviously disagreed with her, but instead of disagreeing with it on a football basis, it was based on her gender. Um, and people just saying, you know, you're a woman, what do you know about football? This is a man's game, you know, all the kind of generic kind of things you can imagine. And she said to her friend Lucy, well, you know, we need to do something about this because it's not just us two that goes through this sort of thing on a regular basis. Um, you know, experiencing sexist abuse purely because you have an opinion in football um, and being made feel like you're not welcome there. Um, and the two of them kind of looked at whether there was a anti-sexism campaign within the football industry um, and whether one already existed and they found that it didn't um, so the pair of them thought well we know other women that have experienced the same thing as us within this space so let's make a campaign and let's try and do something about it um, so obviously that was back last year and I followed the pair of them on Twitter and when I saw the campaign when it launched um, the girls that they got involved there was a, a roughly around 20 of them from different clubs across the English football pyramid most of them being in the EFL actually um and yeah all of them just went through in a video highlighting the different comments that they'd received and you know it's just everything you you, you could think of really um and just raising awareness on the issue and that video kind of just exploded um got millions of views and I think you know I myself when I saw it come up on Twitter was like wow that's the first time I've actually heard fellow female football fans talk about their experience of sexism at football and it you know I felt like I kind of had a voice in a way and I really related to the stuff that they were saying so yeah I knew from the get-go that I really wanted to be involved in it whether that was just on the personal level or that as a football fan or I kind of wanted Charlton to get involved with it too as time went on because um, loads of clubs obviously it started with Bristol Rovers because that's who Kaz and Lucy support but yeah, as time went on, the campaign started to partner with loads of different football clubs across the football pyramid. Um, and now they've surpassed 100 partnerships, um, including the Premier League clubs such as Everton, Leeds um, and Brentford as well. Um, they also partnered with Millwall uh, quite a long time ago too. Um, so a couple of months ago, I I said to, you know, I went on Twitter and I said, this is something that we should really be getting involved with, like Charlton should really be getting involved with as a club. Um, because it's not just about, you know, going on and saying just a tick box exercise of, oh, we're anti-sexism and, you know, and then not doing anything about it. You know, the whole point of the partnership is that you implement actions. It's not just words, you put in actions at the ground on match days, et cetera, to make 
women at your club in your fan base or your staff or your female footballers in the in the case of Trump women feel as safe as possible and as welcome as possible in the footballing world um so yeah I, I took to Twitter and yeah soon enough the um Trump fan advisor Lucy she got in touch with me and she said you know this is something that we've it's been on our radar but like you know this is definitely something we need to um push on with um, and we want to get involved in so it kind of snowballed from there really and then um, Dan Burke um, he also works for the club he um, got you know said you know we definitely need to push this on and then Tom Rubichaud the commercial manager got in touch too and then it's kind of just gone from there I mean the girls and me um, when I told them that I'd you know managed to get Charlton to be interested um, they said, oh, well, would you like to be our ambassador for Charlton then? And I thought, yeah, absolutely. That's definitely what I've, I've wanted from the beginning and something I feel really passionately about. So, yeah, that that was great. And then obviously soon enough, the club announced their partnership with us. I think me, Lucy and Kaz um, did a presentation to them just presenting what the partnership would be about and what we stand for. And, yeah, it's just gone from there. And then we now we we now meet up um, on Zoom um and kind of like on a weekly basis at the moment just to discuss what we can do together in the partnership to make the valley and following Charlton as like welcome and inclusive for women as possible and uh luckily we've had the pleasure of being joined by loads of female football fans uh, Charlton football fans as well including Emma um and other people from across the fan base so I think with a thing like this it's just a case of more the merrier really I mean when the statement was released at the bottom, obviously it gives details on how women can get involved. And yeah, so, and I think speaking to Tom today, he was saying, you know, another like 10 women have said they want to, they feel that passionately about it, that they want to be involved in the working group, which, you know, it's, it's a lot of, it's, it's dedication. You know, we're all taking time out of our spare time to be able to push forward with it. So it's brilliant. Uh, but yeah, the, the response has been fantastic. So yeah, excellent. And I mean, Emma, I'm really intrigued then to to understand how you sort of became aware of this um, of this campaign and what it was that made you want to to join up as well. Yeah, so obviously I know Tash from um, football anyway, um, and as soon as I saw it advertised on there, I was like, right. I messaged Tash and I was like, right, girl, I'm getting involved. Let's let's do this. Um, I mean, personally, I've had a lot of abuse over the years. Um, especially on social media, like I had to take myself off the Charlton Facebook group. Um, you know, I, I locked my Twitter account because I was worried, of, you know, there was times where I was getting guys saying to me, why don't you go back to the kitchen and make me a sandwich? Or, you know, it's all those kind of things. And, and they're hurtful. They are really hurtful because my football is my release. That's That's my escape and that's, that's my one thing I have to look forward to in my week. You know, that's that's the one thing that keeps me going. And and there was even an incident on Saturday. I don't know if you... I know Tash did, but uh, um, Rotherham, Louis, I don't know if you saw my Twitter, but um, as we were going round to the away end, um, a male steward tried to frisk me. And I straight away said, no, I, I don't think so. I'm I'm not having you frisk me. Like, that's not right. And he tried to refuse me entry into the game. Um, and I said, no, I want a female to frisk me. I said, you have no right. And he got really arsy with me and threatened to kick me out. 
and I quoted the Her Game 2 campaign to him and I said, you know, you, you can't do that. This is why women don't feel safe at football. And so anyway, he got me a female steward to frisk me and then I made a complaint in the ground to the senior security. And I actually quite disappointed in Rotherham because I didn't reply to my tweet because I think it's quite a serious matter. You know, we have the right to feel safe at football and we have the right to feel included and treated the same as the men that go to football. And it's such a thing that I'm passionate about, making sure that we feel that we have a place in football. I guess, Emma, actually, so that is the, the perfect example of how a campaign such as Her Game too, rather than just being a lone voice, it could be a, a big group, you know, make a big noise about things that that, that mm. do make it more difficult for female fans to go to football. And, and you, you mentioned yourself about the social media abuse. There's, there's probably chaps out there who just think it's a throwaway comment and it means nothing, but it does, it, it can affect your enjoyment of the game and it might make you not want to come to the games in the future. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, I've I've been going to Charlton since I was about nine years old and I, I'm 42 this year. So, you know, when you hear abuse from like sort of 20 year old kids, you're like, hang on, I've been going to Charlton longer than you've been alive. Like, <laughs> have have a bit of respect, you know. I've, I've been there. I've seen it. I've done it. Like this season, I've travelled all over the country. Um, and on one occasion, I actually went up to Morecambe away without my husband. You know, I went on the supporters coach. I, no, I'm that passionate about going to Charlton. And the thing for me now with, with Tatch, I want to get the word out. You know, I'm constantly retweeting. You know, I want to get the word out. That actually, you know, come to Charlton. It's, it's a good place to be. And, you know, it's safe for women. And you have a place with us. And I know I've just seen in the last week that Burton and Bournemouth have both joined the Her Game 2 campaign as well, which is amazing. And uh, Tash, I know you're, you've been out there sort of canvassing for ideas now, asking for women's thoughts on, on how they could make the match going experience safer and better. I know my wife has put forward baby changing in the ground at some point, which, which would be quite useful because apparently I've, I'm told something that's not available, never been a problem for me before, but it, it will become a problem soon. Well, not for me because I'll be working. But um, what, what sort of ideas have you had? And, and if people want to send in messages, Tash, how else can they can they do that? Yeah, so the, the best way, I suppose, if, you know, it's something you feel really passionate about and you want to be involved with on a regular basis and have real uh, consistent input, then there's an email, which is fans at cfc.co.uk. And if you email just saying, hello, I'd like to join the Her Game 2 working group so I can, you know, give my input, then that's that's the best way to do it. If not, I mean, <clears throat> as I was saying to Emma, like, you know, even if you have one idea, and you, you can't commit the time to being in the working group, then you could just shoot it to anyone that you know is involved in the campaign, whether that's me, Emma, um, even like Tom Show, you know, just putting forward ideas. So I just think the more, more the merrier with this sort of thing. I think we all have, you know, all the female supporters all have different experiences, all affected in different ways. But I think if we all work together, uh, you know, we can make a real difference. And there's things such as something we discussed recently is putting like period products in the toilet free of charge and something that I've seen up and down the country and it, it's it doesn't cost a lot at all to put a couple of period pads and tampons in the toilet it might seem like a very menial thing to to men but to women it makes a big difference to know that you know they're saying look we cater for women as much as we do our male supporters here you know we're looking out for you 
Um, and it's, you know, I've seen it done at tiny clubs that I've gone to, uh, you know, since supporting Chance, since we've been in League One. So I definitely think it's something we can do. And there's also the key thing, apart from, you know, the club coming out and saying their, their anti-sexism stance is having a system to report the abuse, whether that's during the game or after the game, because, you know, some people will receive the abuse. I mean, this has happened to me where someone says something to me that at a game and I've kind of gone home afterwards and I've thought that didn't sit well with me, actually. And that's made me feel quite, you know, uncomfortable. But because the moment's kind of gone, it's like you then don't have a kind of an outlet. And I think a lot of women who have suffered sexist abuse, whether that's following Charlton or like following football in general, a lot of them have said, I just didn't think there was really an avenue where I could report it, where it would really be taken seriously. So, for example, like the example Emma was talking about where she got frisked by a male steward at Rotherham, like you should have a system where you can report that properly and it gets dealt with. Um, so that's one of the main things that we're going to be doing is have, like making sure that's clear around the ground for women and girls and having posters up to say, you know, if you do see it or you experience it yourself, then you can contact this and the, these details, which we're going to be sorting out in the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, there's things that are like in the short term, there's things that will take longer to implement. I think, you know, with any forms of discrimination, it, unfortunately, it doesn't get stomped out overnight. We know that. But I think it's important that, you know, that the club have been great in terms of saying that we you, we don't want it to just be all talk. It will be action as well. Um, and over time, we will make the Valley a more welcoming place for women. Uh, there is one question, I guess. So you, you're saying that the club have been receptive. There has been one incident over the last few months, which is still sort of rumbling on in the background with the renaming of the women's team. Um you, Hopefully you guys are the, are the perfect people to ask this question to, you know, I'd... <laughs> I know that members of the women's team weren't happy with this. I know that members of the women's team effectively decided they, they weren't really in a position where they could talk out loud about it. But do you feel that the club, when, when, when you see, for example, the owner seems to be sticking to his guns on a situation like that, do you see that as the club listening to women? I think, to be honest with you, I mean, my stance has always been if the women's team themselves don't feel comfortable with being renamed ladies then I don't think there should be an argument with that I think if someone in my opinion if a woman is telling you that something that someone is doing is making them uncomfortable and they see it as sexism and they see it as misogyny then that should be listened to and I think ultimately this is something that has been raised to me and I don't know if it's been raised to you but certainly fans have said that that should be on our list to talk about is the renaming of the women's team um that Sangard wants to implement um obviously my stance on it is pretty clear but I think it's also in, it would be interesting to discuss it amongst the working group because I think if you have multiple female fans that are in this group saying that you know some of them might not be bothered by it I know some people aren't bothered by it and that's fair enough that's their opinion but I think it'd be interesting to have our group give their opinion on it and see whether that would perhaps make Zangard think again it may not but I think it's important for us to raise it and to say look a lot of people aren't comfortable with this decision um and kind of pose that to them mm, yeah that would that, that would genuinely be a really interesting conversation because I think you know the club signing up to be part of this campaign is one thing but it, it again has to be followed up with actions as well now Emma I did say before we 
before we started recording that I wanted to speak to you about Saturday because I got I got to I met you in the pub before the game and but between us we, we were we were hoping to sort of get away with like a four 0 defeat minimum like that'd be fine we would have taken that but I mean it was a it was a really great display and you were saying you want to see Albi back in the side you got Albi back in the side you know we we got Dobbo scoring it was one of those like considering there's nothing left to play for it was one of those genuinely enjoyable away days and you know one that I think we as a side and, and Jacko as a manager certainly needed. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, I think we look so much more solid. Um, I think having Jason Pearce back in the team, I think I said that to you before the game, actually. For me, he's such a good leader. I feel more, you know, I feel like we've really got a leader when he's in the squad, you know, he's captain in the side. We just looked more all together, you know, and and Dobbo, I don't even know what you can say about Dobbo. He's just like a Charlton god at the moment, isn't he? He's... You know, I, I kind of watched the goal and I was like, what What the hell did he just do? That's that's crazy. You know, outside of his boot, beautiful, right in front of me as well. It was it was stunning. And I was so chuffed for him. You could really see it meant a lot to him. Um, and actually up at Sheffield Wednesday, I was talking to his dad and girlfriend and they kind of said how much he loves being at the club. You know, he loves being at Charlton. He's Charlton through and through. So, you know, you could see how much that mo- moment meant to him. There we go. Fascinating stuff there from Emma and from uh, Tasha. Thanks to both of them for joining me uh, during the week. I hope you learned a little bit more. I'm sure if you if you want to have a look at the, the campaign, her game too, uh, or on Twitter as well, if you want to learn a bit more uh, about that as well. Right, uh, we're coming to the end of the show. Um, Easter weekend, so no proper show on Sunday. I might try and put out a little bit of reaction uh, to the game uh, with uh, Morecambe, uh, but we'll be playing again almost immediately after it on Tuesday at Cambridge, so we'll be looking forward to that one uh, as well. I'll see if I can grab a little bit of reaction and put out a mini pod perhaps over Easter weekend, although I am uh, uh, out and about. So I'll, I'll, no promises, but hopefully I will. Especially if we win, maybe I will, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll find out over the weekend. Right, thanks to those of you uh, who've tuned in to this week's big match preview. Thank you uh, to Mark and Tom for joining me. Cheers, Happy thanks. Easter, mate. Happy Easter to the pair of you. Happy Easter one on all. I hope you have a good weekend. I'm Louis Meadows. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll see you again uh, as soon as possible. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.